I'm a little I'm a little worried that this might be the episode that we uh, that we break up. <laughs> I know it's very rare for mommy and daddy to have a disagreement, um, but this is this we are having one this week. I mean, I think it's I think it's I think it's going to be a stark disagreement. Yes, I think it's going to be a stark disagreement, and I am just. Uh, it's like, should, do I need to protect you from the reputational damage you're going to do to yourself by saying that you like this movie, or should I just let it happen? I am. Uh, I have. I think the place with which I would like to hold my reputation will come to my defense. The place. They will, okay. All right. I'm sorry. Let's let's just come, break down that. Can we diagram will, that? The place come, with which yeah, I would yeah. like to hold my reputation. For which, the place for which, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mensa grad, was that not grammatically correct? Mensa is not something you graduate from, Ricky, it's a members organization for high IQ individuals. Do you get, do you get, do you get jumped into it? Yeah, we get jumped. What, what is, what is, what is that, what does that entail, getting like a bunch of pocket protectors thrown at you? Yes. (laughs) No, it's the fucking compasses, you know, the ones with the points, those hurt like hell. (laughs) Yeah, the place that I would like my reputation to to stand will will come to my defense and support me. I think in regards to this movie. All right, that's a very mysterious and grammatically poor sentence, but I'm excited to see how it plays out. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., Ralph Macchio, Eric Idle, and Andrea Martin. Only in Beverly Hills could a family this wealthy be this outrageous. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. That's Susan, my daughter's fiance. In fact, they might even be married. Don't think the Lord is not suspicious of your son. What's the matter with Sonny? He's as masculine a son as I could have hoped. Let's boogie. You mad thing, you. It was a blissful Lysol estate that millionaire O.M. Rivers came face to face with his children's affairs. It isn't true, is it? No, Dad, I swear it's not true. He's lying, sir. He pulled my pants down in the pantry when he was 17. God have mercy on my soul. We're going to find a way for the Lord to forgive you. One or both of my children must bear me a legitimate grandchild within 12 months of my death. This is all a nightmare. Now, with an inheritance worth, would you believe, over $200 million... If you could get pregnant, we wouldn't have to do this. The overprivileged are under pressure to conceive an heir. I know my way around a woman, okay? But are you ready for this? Oh, my God. I didn't think so, but we'll show it to you anyway. Oh, you're a laugh a decade. Faced with poverty... They're not about to throw their inheritance overboard. Uh, 976 Easy Escort. And the only way they're going to produce an heir is to hire one of these two-bit hustlers. Would $7,000 a week be an insult? No. Then get in the car. It's a hilarious look at the lifestyles of the rich and sexually confused. It's for the lady of the house. 
I'll get it. What if you don't get me pregnant? If I do, I'll give you two million dollars. Forget the champagne wishes and caviar dreams. This is the most outrageous comedy of the year. Too much sun. Hey, you know, speaking of making the decision to have a child, I've got a great new article out on Vox.com right now. It's in the highlight, their special magazine section. Uh, I talked to people who chose to have a child during lockdown about, you know, why, what is the thinking there? And, uh, you know, it's very interesting stories from a wide selection of uh you know, people at all ends of the socioeconomic spectrum and, you know, people who plan to have a child, people who didn't, uh, check it out. Vox.com, the highlight, Chris Chapin. Okay. Yeah. That started at about three minutes and 10 seconds and ended at about 3.31. (laughs) Marking that down for when I get into cutting this. You fucking prick. Um, Yeah, so Um, I think, so uh, last week, famously, I said I hated the movie and then you were texting me and I was like, peer pressured into liking it but i i just wasn't paying enough attention and i still had the end of it to watch and i watched it and i decided it was good and i cried like three times mm-hmm. so this week on the other hand <laughs> we started texting about it and i had already watched a bunch of it and, and you were like oh hey this movie's like really great i think i love this movie and i was like richard my god <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no at this time i did not change my opinion at all i not at all okay so this um this the the show that you're listening to right now is called 30 years later uh you're listening to ricky camillary me and chris Jaffin, the other guy That's talk about a, a movie that came out 30 some would years say ago. the first guy but you know that's true you're older than me and you look it as well <laughs> uh that and today we're talking about a movie that came out 30 years ago this week it's called too much sun it was directed by robert downey senior famous or uh, cult favorite underground filmmaker, director of uh, the movie Putney Swope, Chafed Elbows. He has a number of films on Criterion. Paul Thomas Anderson is a big fan. Greaser's Palace. Um, and this is a movie, like one of the first movies of his, I think, of a, of, a, of a larger budget and maybe some more well-known faces. His son, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, stars in it. Ralph Macchio stars in it. Andrea Martin. Um Eric Idle, uh, and uh, a, a number of other people. And um, it is uh, pure anarchy. And um, we're going to talk about it right now. And I loved it. And I think, Chris, you didn't, as we said before, you didn't, you didn't, see, the, you didn't see the value in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the movie, like you're saying, it's called Too Much Sun. I mean, do, do we want to do the like plot thing that we do? <laughs> You want to like um, go through the plot a little bit? I mean, I can very well, quickly. Why don't, why, why don't you, like overall, like without getting into detail, what right. was the general right, right, right. take that you that you that you felt about this movie that you were wrong about? <laughs> yeah, well, it's my very correct description of why it is a bad movie. Um, yeah. Well, so my basic feeling is this movie, too much sun. It's a it's a British sex farce. Okay, it's of of the type that was very popular in the nineteen eighties and nineties. For whatever reason, it was like sex was newly discovered in the United Kingdom sometime around 1983. So they made a lot of movies like this. Uh, and I would say the ultimate example of a movie like this is The Fish Called uh, a Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. Totally perfect, amazing film, extremely funny. Uh, you know, John Cleese, Kevin Klein, Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Amazing cast. And it is a sex farce, but you don't, you're kind of not thinking about it being a sex farce because it's just a funny, well-done movie. 
Whereas this movie is like, all the lines are super stilted. Like I felt like I was watching a VHS recording of like a community theater play that I was in, in 1995, basically, you know, it's just got this very like playish writing where everything's kind of like, like weird punchlines and nothing really makes sense. And like, it's really horrible to look at. And it has a very questionable depiction of homosexual people and homosexuality that is like extremely central to the movie. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I didn't, I thought all the fucking jokes were dumb too. Had you, you, have you seen any Robert Downey movies prior to this one? I have not seen any Robert Downey movies. No. So Robert Downey is in the tradition of John Waters in the sense that he makes uh, crass, um, intent, like transgressive underground, mo- like his start, transgressive underground movies that got midnight showings. Putney Swope is his most famous movie is about an advertising company where uh, that gets left into the hands of um, one of the, of, of the African-American janitor that then, ends up creating all these like incredibly transgressive, hilarious advertisements that are also politically radical. Um, and uh, it's, it's like, yeah, it's a very crass, silly movie with a political, a political, a, sub, a subculture element to it. And um, it is also shot like this, you know, he's not the best filmmaker. He doesn't know exactly what to do with the camera. But neither did John Waters, and there is something sort of anarchic and and punk rock about that, in 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 my opinion. But and we'll get we'll we'll, we'll get to that in, in a minute. And I but I wonder if you had had the um, historical precedent of Robert Downey going into it, you would have felt differently about the movie in the sense that what would it be like to watch? A John Waters movie right. like Cecil like B. Cere- Demented or like or... Serial Mom. Well, Cecil B. Demented yeah. is like, yeah. I mean, I actually that's a pretty good comparison. Cecil B. Or Demented. Peck or like Pecker, you know, yeah. and not know John Waters's background in the subculture, his his like where he like how he got started and the aesthetic that he kind of created for himself, right? I I I I, I wonder if your response would be this. Would would be the same. It might be because it is definitely a lesser of Robert yeah. Robert Downey I mean, movies. I have you know now I feel like a fucking jackass, but like I've heard of Putney Swope, yes, I've but I've never seen it. But like yes, okay, fine. I've heard that is a I hundred percent believe that's a good movie. It looks great, but like also we're talking about a movie from nineteen sixty nine, and this movie's from nineteen ninety one. And it just it doesn't strike me as being punk rock. It seems kind of very toothless, actually. I mean, it seems like. It seems like a movie or a bunch of old rich people would make and convince themselves they are doing something radical, but they really are not at all. You know, I think it's very mild. And I and I think that the things that it thinks are transgressive really aren't. I mean, a movie where the priests are the bad. I mean, you you said one of the things you liked is the priest is the bad guy. You thought that was transgressive. And I, I, I it's impossible to put myself in 1991 exactly. But I feel like that was that was you're seeing that kind of thing a lot around this time. Yeah, but he's not just the bad guy. He literally kills. But it's the, like it's the, in this heightened reality cartoon guy. reality where like guess yeah. he does kill this guy, right? But it it's not played like it's played like a like a Bugs Bunny kind of thing. Like he's like twisting the knob on this giant oxygen tank, you know. <laughs> and that literally makes it sound like while yeah. he's twisting. <laughs> So I don't think it has a lot of like a gravitas in that. I think it's just like, he's the bad guy doing bad guy stuff, you know? 
trans transgression doesn't have to have gravitas you know like john waters going back to him doesn't have gravitas does divine have gravitas when she eats dog shit off the ground this is okay so you're in, bringing in up john Bingo? waters like totally agree with you like but my thing would be to say like those all these john waters movies you're naming came out before this movie so like to see this movie in 1991 you're just kind of like okay <laughs> you know like yeah i believe that Robert Downey made really good transgressive movies sometime in the 1960s or 70s. But by 1991, you're just kind of seeing like, whatever, you know, this is like, not good. This movie is I, not good. I mean, okay, well, I can, I'll, I'll, I, I have a feeling we're going to go over the plot. And as we go over the plot, you're going to be like, and then this happened and it sucked. And I'm going to be like, no, that was funny. Uh, like I literally <laughs> think that's what's going to happen as we talk about this movie. But hey, and you, you know, wanna... art is subjective. I mean, you know, art is subjective. Like I'm not going to say I'm right necessarily, even though I am, but like, you know, it's just, you know, you, if you enjoyed it, great. If you enjoyed it, great. Um, well, I also enjoyed all of these actors going for broke. I mean, how could you not enjoy the scene where Robert Downey Jr. is masturbating to a woman that thinks that she's his mother and she puts his her foot on his cock to stop him? Yeah, and she's That's singing insane. him lullaby, pure, uh, lullabies. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. pure. It's total anarchy. It's in it a movie. Is. Like they put this in a movie with movie stars in 1990. It was probably it was it was released. That's insane. That's. That's wild that they that they even dared to do that. I mean, I agree. I agree that it is out of the, you know, mainstream in a certain way, what they're doing, right? But I don't know. I just feel like it's all very sophomoric and stupid. And I you're it is silly and anarchic, but it's also just like like I said, it reminded me of, you know, when you like a high school play or something. Like it was it was people being silly without really any direction. Like Robert Downey Jr. is just acting insane from the first second he's on the screen. He's just going like, Bleh. oh, hello, governor. Oh, I have an accent. Oh, what do you want for breakfast? Who wants an egg? I'm going to go drive the car. And now I'm made out of rubber. And that's like, it's a, an hour and a half of him doing that nonstop. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, so like to pick out great. one individual thing of like, wasn't that crazy that he's jacking off while this woman's singing to him? And it's like, everything he does is crazy. It's, it's at 11 the entire time. Yes, you know I mean? the movie is at 11 the entire time. Rarely does a movie get made like that. Anyway, why don't you go over the plot of the movie? Because I feel <laughs> like you're, in regards to this movie and maybe your life, you're a bit more literal uh -huh. than, this yeah, movie, than, sure. than, this, than this movie requires of a viewer. So maybe you yeah. should just discuss the plot points because I, mean, I think... That's probably what landed best for you. Like who did what and why? <laughs> yeah. I was just, I was, I, well, I had an Excel spreadsheet open the entire time and I had like the characters in one column, their motivations in the next and how they were yeah, achieving you, them. You were that, you were that viewer that was like, um, continuity mistake. Um, actually <laughs> the cigarette that they were smoking was, uh, had just been lit and they cut back and now it was smaller. How can anybody watch this movie? You were like, you're like the Ben Ben Shapiro of, of film viewers. I would just like to say, like, number one, that was a great impression of me. And I, I, I just makes tickles me to know that my friend is listening to me, kind of gets me and can do an impression of me. That's like really good. And number two, like, yeah, I guess I kind of am like Ben Shapiro. Wow. Thanks, Ricky. That's really cool. Also. Stop. We know, you know, I know, I know he's one of your heroes. <laughs> Um, I mean, honestly, it's kind of, if you want me to recount the plot, I honestly find it a little difficult, but basically it's like, I actually would like you to recount the plot in the voice of Ben Shapiro. I actually, can I tell you something? I don't, I have maybe seen like 
35 seconds of Ben Shapiro content in my entire life. I make it my mission to like not engage with stuff like that. So I don't, I I know he's got kind of a dumb voice, right? Does he, he has like a really high, weird voice or something? Yeah, it's kind of like this. And when I'm talking about a movie, it's something that I think about and um, other people should be thinking about it as well because it is a conservative voice and they're being silenced everywhere and the liberal media is attacking conservative voices. It's like that. It's so wild. They were talking about this on Comedy Bang Bang the other day about how easy it would be to become like a right-wing person and get really popular. Uh, It's something I think about all the time because he's famous from like making YouTube videos, right? And like this motherfucker can't talk, (laughs) you know, like... (laughs) No, he's famous because he was like a child, a child political commentator. Like okay. he was like, I believe he was like 13 or something and going on Fox News, you know? Is Which that they true? That do. is why Ben Shapiro is I, famous? I think so. I think it's something like that. I thought yeah. he was famous he for like, like YouTube videos or something. Yeah. No, he's famous for YouTube videos now because he like built a brand off of YouTube, right? right? And right, he has right. this thing called... He also has this thing called the Daily Wire, which is his brand. Oh, I actually yeah, watched I this morning the first movie that the Daily Wire has distributed. I watched it. Um, why I did that to myself? I, uh, you know, I just I have to do those things sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's called Run, Hide, Fight. And I really feel like we should talk oh about it. Oh, my sometime. God. Run, Hide, Fight. That's amazing. That is amazing. You know what it's about? Have, you heard, have you heard of this movie? I have not heard of this movie, but just knowing what I know about the conservative mind and hearing this movie is called Run, Hide, Fight. <laughs> oh, okay, well, hold on. Let me ask. Well, let's do this really fast. What do you think Run, Hide, and what do you think Run, oh. Hide, Fight is about? God, just based on the name Run, Hide, Fight and that Ben Shapiro's media company made it. Uh, it's got to be the story of a heroic conservative person who's being uh, persecuted by a, like a fa- fascistic liberal government and how he like leads a resistance to fight back. Actually, no, not that heavy, not that on the nose. What it's about is... It's, <laughs> Fuck you! That, no, what? I'm not, I mean, I, that's like a good guess, but it's just... It basically, they didn't produce it themselves. They're distributing it because the okay. team that had produced it, it fell out of their hands. But it was a semi-conservative production company that put it together. It's the people that produce S. Craig Zoller's films like Dragged Across Concrete and Bone yeah. Tomahawk and stuff. So it's this movie, the elevator pitch is that it's Die Hard, but in a school shooting. So Oh, like, yes, I have heard of this movie. I have heard of this, yeah. yes. Yes. So that's 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 the movie and like one of the it's i mean it's so terrible and it really like the sad thing about it is you can you can feel someone thinking that that's a good pitch and writing it and hearing it and being like yeah this like i got it you know i'm writing these diehard like villains but they're kids in high school it's gonna work it's gonna work and then as soon as the kids show up and start doing the scenes being like fuck <laughs> oh my this God. this whole thing doesn't work (laughs) like nothing about like watching teen actors try to play alan rickman like villains works at all because cognitively teens are just not there and like we just sort of subconsciously know that while we're watching this you know that they wouldn't be like as quippy they wouldn't be as well planned it would be a disaster they you know they they wouldn't know how to so you're just watching the kid the main kid who's like the main villain he steps out of the van after they crash into the lunchroom and they start shooting kids and the kid and he goes trigger warning (laughs) (laughs) are you fucking kidding me 
That's no, wait. The school shooter know. says that he says trigger the warning. Well, there's like multiple school shooters. Oh, you know, they're taking like school hostage. Um, right. It's uh, I, I, yeah. There's that movie Masterminds with uh, Patrick Stewart. Have you seen this movie? No, I was thinking Masterminds with um, Zach Galifianakis <laughs> and Chris <laughs> Jason Sudeikis and Owen Wilson. No, that's Mastermind. Shit. Oh no, Masterminds. No, you're right. Maybe I'm. Oh shit. Uh, Patrick. Oh, no, they're both called Masterminds. Okay. Um, it's from 1997, I guess. Wow. Uh, it's like they, it is, it's like Die Hard at a boarding school, but it's like a military school. And they, but these adults take all the kids hostage and then the kids have to break out and like liberate the school, you know? Well, that's but it's like, a military uh, school, you understand? So they're military cadets and like maybe some of them weren't good students before this happened, but then it turns out really they had learned the most of all. Wait, this is called Mastermind? Masterminds with an S, yeah. But there was a movie that came out like five years before that. It literally came out last year. It was on the list of movies that we might do, or maybe it's coming up this year, called Toy Soldiers with Sean Oh, Astin, shit. Maybe that's what I'm thinking Costa of. Jr. I'm thinking of Toy Soldiers. Um, but I think Masterminds has the same plot. Um, I'm looking it up. Now. Oh, I'm thinking. I think you're, I'm thinking of Toy Soldiers. I think I am thinking of Toy Soldiers. Masterminds uh, was with Vincent Carthizer and Patrick Stewart. Trapped in a school in which a gang of criminals has seized control, a young troublemaker fights a cat and mouse battle from inside. So it's like kind of similar. It's kind of similar. Okay, yeah, that's why I got to mix um, it. So just cut all that out. Um, how right. Vincent Carthizer is such a interesting child looking child actor and then just a normal looking adult man it's, that's actually i totally f- had no idea that that was him as the star of this movie that's crazy yeah have you ever seen uh larry clark's another day in paradise with uh, melanie griffith and james woods oh no i don't know if i have it's great really good movie um but uh vincent carthizer and natasha gregson wagner wagner excuse me are the are the hot young couple that team up with um, James Woods and uh, Melanie Griffith? To I think they like are robbing vending machines or something. They're just like junkies driving across the country, robbing things and shooting up. Can it's I great. say that in this movie, Masterminds, Vincent Carthizer looks like Millie Bobby Brown, like almost exactly. <laughs> That's true. I saw the, I saw the pictures, and this is true, valid, verified by me. <laughs> so weird. That's so weird. Um, All right. So do you want to do you want to summarize? Yeah, sure. Uh, for everybody who's listening, thanks for going on that little ride with us. Yeah, let's see how much of that stays in the show. Um, All of it. The only <laughs> thing that's getting cut is you talking about your article. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Um, yeah, so I forget how it even... I Oh, it opens on a bunch of poodles. And there's a guy in a poodle costume and a bunch and a, four adults like walking the poodles into the back of the van. And then they all are like waving goodbye to the poodles. And the guy in the poodle suit is driving the van and the poodles drive away. And then they kind of all dance around a pool for a little while. <laughs> and then it like hard cuts to a rich guy who is uh going to confession and he goes to confess and he says uh oh i'm here to confess and uh, the priest or i guess the priest has called him there to confess and he says actually yes. i i need to confess to you and he sends gives him some pictures of two women 
And the guy, the rich guy says, oh yeah, that's my daughter and her fiance. It's probably my fault. And the guys, and the priest says, uh, give me $50,000 or I'll tell everyone. (laughs) And the old rich guy who seems to have one second ago have been very accepting of his daughter being a lesbian and not at all surprised or to care that there were pictures of her. He goes like, well, okay. And then writes him a check for $50,000. He doesn't give him the $50,000 because of um because he's like getting blackmailed he gives he gives him fifty thousand dollars as penance for having sinner children is that what it's supposed to be yeah yeah that's what's funny about it is the priest is like he's like oh he's yeah like, he's like, two he's hail like, marys father. and fifty thousand dollars right is what yeah he he's like father what 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 should i do and he goes fifty thousand dollars and whatever four hail marys <laughs> See, I just assumed it was like literally blackmail. No, it was, no, it was supposed no. to be literally. I thought that was some kind of sly joke where he's like two Hail Marys and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> no, it was no, just it was literally. Just a, yeah, yeah, it was just literally that. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm laughing. I mean, you're retelling this. I'm already laughing. <laughs> and then um, the the action really gets going where he tells the the priest tells the rich guy he has to redo his will to say that his two children his two adult children who are andrea martin and eric idle and who are both very obviously gay and this it's like crazy i really want to talk about it a lot but like uh he says okay they have to have a child and they have to have a child the natural way or else all your 200 million dollar estate goes to the church and um, to get him to do this, he's like, like we said, turning this oxygen knob back and forth. And he's basically oh, like threatening to murder him. You're, you're, you're jumping over my, my favorite part. One of my favorite parts, which is the introduction of Eric Idle, really, where the priest says they know that Andrea Martin's gay, but the father doesn't know that Eric Idle's character is gay, too. Right. And he says, like, well, you should check on him. And the father's like, I don't think he is. And then it cuts to Eric Idle and the guy, Leo Rossi, or Rosso, I think is the the actor's name, um, playing chess together with like leopard silk robes on. (laughs) And they're like playing chess. And then they realize that like one of them says checkmate. And they're like, who cares? Let's dance. (laughs) And it's like music comes on and they start doing this. Like, it's like almost like Muzak, but like, it's like flamboyant. Well, this is like all the music in the movie is like very cheap, like MIDI music from, you know, the world's cheapest computer or synthesizer or something. So yeah, this is one of 10,000 times in the movie. We hear this amazingly awful MIDI music. I love it. And they all are dancing. And and Eric Idle is wearing like loafers, a speedo and a leopard print. Uh, row silk robe, you know, and, and they're all and their dancing is like goes on for what feels like a pretty long, like yes. it, the movie just. What I loved about that scene, though, and what I like about this movie is that I do feel like the movie loves its performers. Well, like it yeah, really, definitely. It really loves all of them and is letting all of them go for broke. Um, and this is like a great moment for that, where like you get that they're dancing, you get what's going on, and the movie just hangs with it for a while. <laughs> and it's so funny to watch Eric Idle and this guy dance, and then all of a sudden Andrea Martin and her girlfriend come in as well, and it's like, do they live there with them, or do they? Does this, this, do these, this brother, this gay brother and sister just hang out as a cup as couples all the time together? <laughs> Well, I would say that's a question that's not answered in the film. They just seem to always be there in the same place all the time. (laughs) I think there's even a scene at some point where they say like uh, Eric Idle's boyfriend is like, oh, I'll go get them, you know, but you don't know if he's like 
has to drive somewhere or they live in the next room. I have no idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a big mansion, whatever. Um, oh, and that is one of the things too, they established in this, I forget when this scene even is, because as, as you can tell from this description, like it's just kind of going everywhere. Like this extremely long dance scene is like, what, four or five minutes into the movie, you know, if that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then... I, I don't even know. I don't even know. Well, so yeah. So they, th- this is the setup of the movie is they have to have a kid. And uh, at some point during this thing, we cut to uh, Ralph Macchio and Robert Downey Jr. Who are living in a, uh, like a trailer together and they're scummy real estate agents. <laughs> and they're like, somehow it's like, uh, like Robert Downey Jr. owes Ralph Macchio money or something, but like, and so he can't leave, and Ralph Macchio is always bossing him around. And I did look it up, Ralph Macchio, who looks to be like twenty in this movie, and I think his his character's twenty two. I think he would have been thirty years old when this movie came out, mm-hmm. which is insane. Um, but like, it's always they always they have this incredibly weird relationship <laughs> where they're Ralph Macchio is saying things like, "I got a hooker coming over. You got to hide under the bed and watch." <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. goes, "Okay," <laughs> and then he goes and does it. And they say things like, like I'm calling, I'm calling a hooker. You think I'm going to score? <laughs> it's like, uh, you, yes, here we go with the hooker. You, yes. you didn't think that that was funny? I just thought it was just so like, I was just, I didn't think it was funny. No, to be, no, I didn't think it was funny. I, I thought that they were acting like, funny, but I didn't think it was funny. Without explanation. And like, they're just like all of these sort of manic behaviors and things that they're doing that have no explanation whatsoever. That it's not rooted in like what feels like, I don't want to say traditional ideas of comedy, but like set up punchline or he's just like, you're just immediately tossed in with these totally bananas characters who are, who are every decision that they make is in, is insane. Yes. I thought that was yeah, great. I, I agree. Mean, just like, I, agree. Get into, I right don't think it, that right, is great. I mean, right what you were saying, Right when it opens up and Ralph Macchio is watching the 976 number commercial and it's just a pair of lips over and over and oh, over again. Cool. And the, that, the, that commercial looks cool. But again, yeah, he's, he's watching and, a commercial for a 976 number, but it's not for a phone number you call to have like have phone sex. It's for actual prostitutes. <laughs> it's for an escort service. It's for an escort service, yes. Easy right. escorts, and then, yeah. And then he calls and... Um, that like when the woman's on her way, he's like sitting at a mirror and he's like shaving zits off his face. <laughs> and he's like, oh boy, I got a real hot thing coming over. Oh boy, I tell you what, she's going to be a real hotsy totsy. Oh brother. And- oh yeah, he's got, he's doing like real like Goomba shit, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he, he's yeah. like, hey, you got to, hey, get under the fucking bed. What are we doing he's over so here? This girl's greasy. coming in here. Yeah. He's so it's, they have obviously like spraying him down with a spray bottle before every take, like heavily. You know, his hair is sticking together in his forehead. I yeah, bet. and he's doing voice shit like that. Yeah. Frank Delaraca. Hey. I'm telling, you, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I think I love this girl. Okay. I think I think I think she's so beautiful. I can't wait to see it. I hope she's the one. And then someone comes to knock on the door, and it's one of the nuns from the church to find out if one of them is actually Andrea Martin's kid and that she actually has a blood kid and Robert Downey Jr. takes her outside and suddenly starts speaking in this insane British accent. 
which he's done before. We know he's like, an, he just like likes being zany. That's his character in this well, movie. He's an, his character's an actor. He right, he's an actor people. and he's practicing and acting stuff. Is, is like, yeah, the, you're right. But like, mostly it's like, he just likes being zany. Yeah, he takes the nun outside and asks her if she's like going to sleep with him. And then she says no, and he kicks her out. I mean, Ricky, like, let's just talk about this scene for a minute because this is like, completely in this is emblematic of how completely fucking nuts this movie is okay so as you said ralph macchio has called someone from easy escorts to come over and have sex with him and he is completely in love with her it's a girl from the commercial and he's ordered her this other lady comes and he at first thinks he's like oh they sent me a different girl don't you think i ought to get a discount (laughs) and then oh yeah 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 and then she's like because they're real estate agents she's like oh i need a condo in albania and he's like oh you really want to see real estate oh my partner here my partner you know and then robert downey jr takes her outside and then at first they're looking in a map talking about real estate for maybe a second and then robert downey jr is like talking in this absolutely insane british accent and then he says to her so are we gonna fuck or what (laughs) And she goes, no. And he goes, well, get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know? Get on your bike like, and get the, out of what, here. What in the world have I just watched? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what were the, yeah. why, what, why is the scene happening? Like, what did the character, because as far as he knew, he left the room with the woman he was supposed to sell real estate to. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and like, how did it become him screaming at her about, are they going to have sex? And then, how, and then he just goes like, okay, well, leave. And that's the end of the scene, okay? Like, um, and is that supposed to be funny? Because I guess if that's like real behavior, that Ricky, I'm just saying that would be an awful way to treat a woman. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they're having a business transaction and out of nowhere, he screams at her, are we going to have sex or what? And then she says no. And then he forcibly kicks her out of the room. I mean, you know, like. No, oh, he forcibly kicks her out of the trailer park. Right, the trailer park, yeah. <laughs> he like chases her down. <laughs> Just the way you like fucking cackle as you say. That. I, it's funny. It's I don't know what this. Like, yeah, sure. I guess it's not, um, you know, PC. I guess it doesn't like make sense or is enjoyable to watch. <laughs> but uh, I found it very enjoyable to watch. I like watching people um, dial it up to eleven with ver- with with almost no explanation. Yeah. I mean, you said a then, while ago about wait, how it... No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But wait, the the scene... But then we cut back to inside the trailer park where um, Ralph Macchio, Frank Delacour Jr., is uh, trying to have sex with the prostitute, the sex worker, excuse me, played by um, the lovely Jennifer Rubin. Who, who I think giving one of the best performances in the film, if not the best. <laughs> I agree. Giving one of the best... I 100% agree with that. But people may also know Jennifer Rubin from her incredible performance in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, where she plays Taryn, who is the formerly drug-addicted young girl in the mental institution who uh, Freddie kills by turning his fingers into heroin syringes and injecting her. And he he shoots her up and goes, Ah, what a rush. Um, anyway, she's giving a great performance, but I love that scene because he, <laughs> Ralph Macchio doesn't have enough money to pay for the sex. He doesn't have enough money. And he keeps going, well, let me borrow the money. <laughs> Why don't you let me borrow the, let me borrow the hundred dollars. <laughs> it's just, 
I think I, it's stupid. It's silly. It's just silliness. Um, and that's and I and I kind of I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. It's just very silly. I mean, you were saying before about you feel like it's a movie that loves the performers, and I will say I. <laughs> I, I agree with you 100%, but I also think it's like kind of bad because they nobody is being given like any direction. Do you know what I mean? Any direction or any boundaries or any like, they are just, everyone is being hung out to dry in this film. And I think a lot of what the, some things are funny, like, okay, there are some funny things in, in the movie. Um, like we mentioned, so the, about the setup about that they are supposed to have kids. So there's like a scene where, um, there's a scene where Eric Idle tries to have sex with Andrea Martin's girlfriend. And I think a lot That's of this, a, funny scene. a lot of the scene is like super objectionable, but like there is, it's when they're literally rolling around on the ground, like with their hand, head in between each other's legs. And like, that part is funny. That's funny. That's like something from like the naked gun or something. You know what and I mean? He's like, in, he's in drag and she's dressed like, like a newspaper boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Jet, maybe I'm a square, did, did, Ricky. Maybe I'm a square. But you know, the idea—something about the whole uh, portrayal of uh, homosexuality in this movie—like I had a real issue with. Like I know it's just supposed to be that? silly, and I know that it's on the side of the homosexual people. Yeah, it, it has this. But the way that it is treated is like so fucked. I think it's like I mean, Eric Idle is literally like mincing around and lisping, and like uh, you know. And like wearing, you know, little skimpy bathing suits all the time and like wearing women's clothes. And yeah, the, this woman says to him, like, because they're going to have sex, but the idea is it's going to be hard because he's gay. And so she says, For you, I dressed like a little boy. And he goes, Ooh, do tell. <laughs> or like, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't like that. I don't like that. <laughs> then like, he's like, the gay guy is supposed to like really want to fuck a little boy. Like, I, you know. I think there's a yeah, lot of stuff I, in the I movie like that, you know, that's like, not, it's I'm, not I'm, really I'm, good. <laughs> it's bad. I'm with you uh, there. Uh, that was a line that was a little, uh, maybe that was a, a line in the movie that maybe crossed the line. If there is one, um, basically mainly just because it didn't land and you're kind of not really sure where it's coming from. Even, right. even if you're trying to be gracious to the time period that the movie was made, you know, it immediately connotes the idea of equating homosexuality with pedophilia. Exactly. Which is not a good thing, not a real thing. And so in that way, it's it doesn't work. I will say, though, and I wonder if it comes from... It, it, rather, to be charitable to the movie, does it potentially come from a place of, the, of, of this period of time where, like, straight men... Uh, love young women. And that's like a totally socially accepted yeah. thing, right? That straight men love young women. And this is a movie made by straight men. So I'm wondering, and I'm probably wrong, but in an effort to be charitable to the creators of this movie, are they just using their own predilections in the straight world, which is so semi-socially acceptable, towards younger uh, younger versions of the sex that they're attracted to, and placing them within the gay world, unrecognize like not not recognizing the stigmas that surround the community uh, in regards to the the age differences. I I hear what you're saying, and I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I'm gonna say <laughs> no. That is not what's happening. 
what's happening is that there's just this idea that people had at this time that gay guys like to fuck children. You know, it's and it's like, did they really think it or is it? I think it's kind of it's I, I, the most charitable I will be is saying that it's like a Florida man kind of thing. Like, OK, like it's the idea of Florida man. Like, do you really think everyone from Florida is an idiot? Like, no. But like you also are like Florida man, you know. So I, I think that's like the most charitable you can be about it, but it's definitely like, yeah, you know, gay guys love to fuck children. Like we all know that, right? <laughs> you know, like. Is it, is it though? Because that's not something that's followed up on or even mentioned before. Oh, unlike I mean, the other things in the movie that are followed up on. <laughs> I guess so. But I mean, in that regards, it's like, why is, why is Robert Downey Jr.'s character masturbating to Andrea Martin? I don't know, Ricky. You're, that's a really good question. Why is he doing that? I think it was just a fucking funny thing to do in the moment. And I they mean, were yeah, all making exactly. each other laugh. This is what I think right? is like, this is what I was saying is I think it was just a, they thought it was funny to do in the moment and they've all been hung out to dry by Robert Downey Sr. who put it on film and released it as a movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I think it's his, I think it's like an actor doesn't know what the boundaries are with this kind of stuff and that they really need someone to direct them, like literally to direct them to how to channel it into something. And I think if you just let them do whatever, this is why I keep saying it's like a, it's like a high school play or it's like a community theater production because it's like people who are genuinely trying their best, but like not quite doing it, (laughs) you know, like. I disagree in the sense that I think that actors have more ownership in their performances in this than they would feel in something like a Farrelly Brothers movie that doesn't come together. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, true. I mean, because it's just them in like a shot, like a shot of a room for like 10 minutes while they do this sex farce community theater thing, right? And so they're just like really going for it, like everything they do, you know, and it makes it kind of uncomfortable to watch in a certain sense, which is cool, I think. Because it's just, you can just see these, I felt like I wasn't watching the character. I felt like I was watching the actors try to do something and try to keep it going like for the length of the scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which can be interesting so then, and is and is interesting, but it's not like good necessarily. So then um, Andrea Martin's character has a nervous breakdown. Uh, but when she gets out of the hospital... She decides to go. She re, she remembers that she has a son. She decides to go find her son, who is uh, Ralph. She believes is Ralph Macchio, but then she gets there and she mistakes him for Robert Downey Jr. And Ralph Macchio gets picked up by the church, who want to run a blood test to see if he actually is the child, because they're trying to hide that she has a child so they can collect the money. Hijinks ensue, and really, it's just a setup to have um, a scatter shot of scenes some funnier than than the others yeah it's right? just a bunch of crazy shit happens right like yeah, you know a bunch of crazy shit ralph macchio gets tied to a chair and he doesn't get untied from the chair for the rest of the movie <laughs> he's like that's funny that is funny. that is funny that is funny every yeah, funny. every other scene he's running down the highway with <laughs> tied to a chair or like running running on the a boat dock and people are there's just, like there's a good one even, where he's like but there's collapsed not even like a thing on this nobody is like Sorry. No, after you, please. After you. <laughs> I was just saying, nobody is even like, at no point is he like, will somebody untie me? He just keeps going with the chair. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Like there's a scene where he's like sitting on the road, like collapsed, and it's been he's supposed to escape at night, and it's now morning, and he's just like so collapsed. And then the car drives by with like the other main characters, and he just pops up on his legs, and he's like, "Hey, wait for me!" and runs after them. <laughs> yeah, that's that was stupid. Um. Yeah, that and the scene with uh, Jennifer Rubin and Eric Idle, where he's trying to uh, consummate, he's he's trying to impregnate the sex worker right. that has somehow been reaffiliated with them, and uh, he's having sex with her yeah. in a boat, but he can't come because he's not into women, and they're just having sex in all these different positions. And for it's some reason, like, it's like for yeah, exactly. Yeah. For some reason, it's like uh, Robert Downey Jr. is supposed to be their chauffeur, and then they're just driving, and then he is just like, "Hey, my sister's a virgin. Do you want to fuck her?" And then he's like, "Hey, great!" And then he gets this prostitute, and he's like, "Hey, this is my sister." You know, <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Why is it going on? Like, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, the scene where they're having sex is pretty good, you know, because right up until that point, I think the idea that a, a gay person could have sex with a woman has been treated like, well, you know, whatever. Sure. You know, they just have sex with a lady, you know, no big deal. And then finally, in this scene, we get around to it being like, well, actually, they would probably not want to have sex with a woman. <laughs> you know, they might they might not want to do that, and it might be difficult for them. Right? He keeps. She's like riding him, and he looks and he asks her if he came. <laughs> He's like, "Did I come?" <laughs> um, and we haven't even we haven't even talked about yet uh, the introduction of uh, another great actor in the movie, and that is. Um, James Hong, who shows up as uh, Frank Sr. And it's this hilarious introduction where they call, she's trying to call the father. She looks him up in the phone book. She's trying to call the father of Frank Delacourt Jr. She's trying to call Frank Delacourt Sr. And um, we see him from behind (laughs) and he answers the phone. And he's like, yeah, I'm Frank Delacourt. Yeah. And then the next scene, (laughs) we see him from the front and he's Asian. (laughs) And he keeps saying things like he's like a two-bit hustler. He's basically, he is Frank Delacorte Sr., right? It's like the same thing as Ralph Macchio. He's a hustler. And he's kind of like, at one point, he's he's like, I can dig it, man. $25, you tell me. <laughs> I can dig it. I can pick up what you're putting down. But it's James Hong doing it. And it's so fucking funny. It's so weird. It's so weird. Um, um, and but I don't even know, like, again, not to be like a literal who's so square, but like, is he supposed to be Frank Delacorte Sr. or is he not? Or like, what the fuck? And do and who actually literally believes him to be Frank Delacorte Sr.? I couldn't answer I those questions. He, I, I couldn't answer those questions. I don't think he's supposed to be. I don't, but I also don't think that the movie answers those questions well. Yeah, I just don't think it answers that. I don't think it even really attempts an answer to them. Just lots no, of stuff. And we haven't even like talked about, so Andrea Martin like goes to an insane asylum because she loses her mind at her father's funeral and throws, throws his ashes into the ocean and then jumps into the water to get them. <laughs> and then she is acts completely Wait. like a nut bar for the next 30 minutes of the movie. And then stops. And then just stops and is fine again. You know, like, but like, why did she go crazy? Could you, I couldn't understand why even in the world of this movie, she was supposed to have gone crazy. I just don't, I just, I didn't look for explanations. (laughs) 
I, you know, I know I mean, that fair, sounds lazy. Fair enough. Fair, yeah. I, I know that sounds lazy, but I felt like very quickly I kind of was like, this is what kind of movie this is going to be. And like, if I pull away from that, like, I, I won't, I won't enjoy this. I was really and trying knew- to put myself in that mode of just like, get on the wavelength of this film. And like, I I can see it. I can see what it is. And I, I understand what they were going for. I just, I just don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> you know, I just don't like it. I mean, you know, and in, in, in terms of this, this duo here, like, you know, I'm not even the one that smokes grass dog. You are. <laughs> You should be able to. You should be able to pick it up what they're putting down. Hey you man, you know I was like, you know? uh, hey daddy, I had had hit. several jazz cigarettes uh, by the time I finished this movie, and I, it didn't make it any better. It didn't make it any better. Um, do you um, want to move on to our? Do you have more to say? Do you want to move on to our questions? I mean, we're getting, you know, we're getting to the to the nitty gritty here. Yeah, we are getting to the nitty gritty. I mean, I think we've really talked about some of the some of the best parts of the movie. I think the Robert Downey Jr. masturbating scene is just so insane, um, and and without reason. Uh, I loved it so much. Oh wait, um, let me ask you about something. I, it, uh, so there is a scene we haven't mentioned. I kind of thought this was funny, but also I kind of didn't think it was funny. <laughs> there was a scene. So we're saying uh, Robert, uh, Eric Idle has sex with a sex worker to try to get her pregnant. And she said, and uh, her, his, his boyfriend is there as well. And she says, I'm sorry, but I'm going to need an AIDS test. <laughs> and then they all have like oh, yes, driver's so licenses, good. but they're like, they say uh, like n- AIDS free and they're all passing them around to each other <laughs> going like, Oh yeah. Oh, I got to get mine updated. Oh, I got this new picture on my, yeah, it's basically the American Psycho business card scene, but a bunch of AIDS-free cards that they have, and they're all like checking them out and analyzing each other's AIDS-free cards. I mean, it's I will great. say in the COVID era, I was like, I got that joke in a way I maybe wouldn't have ever gotten it in my life before, you know? <laughs> um, but also, that's kind of how I saw this movie, was like, it's, it's, it's setups for bits like that, but not by a professional comedy writer or someone who's like worked in comedy movies, but somebody who's like just wants to be like kind of provocative and, and outlandish. And yeah, this movie is slightly dated and I don't think I was very charitable towards it while I was watching it. I I absolutely get not liking this movie um, because it is dated and it is, doesn't make that much sense and it feels very lazy but that's sort of what i was hoping for when i started watching yeah 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 yeah. and it kind of gave me i mean to be clear this is exactly the kind of shit i liked in 1991 when i was when i was this age like this kind of like b minus british culture kind of stuff like i was so i was so into this i would have loved this to death if i it's not it's not british i know it's not british i know it's not british but it I don't know something about the world, like it. It's something about the way that it is with Eric Idle being in it, and like there's all these Rolls Royces and mansions and classical music and like sex farce kind of stuff. Like it just it feels very British to me. You know what I'll say? I will say that I'm sure A Fish Called Wanda is a better movie. Um, I'm sure it's more well made. It's more polished. The performances make more sense. The motivations of the characters make more sense. But I, for myself, I would get more bored watching a fish called Wanda than I would watching this movie because I have no idea what this movie is going to do next. How stupid, <laughs> how, how stupid it's going to be 
Whereas a fish called Wanda, I feel like it's polished, and I would kind of get it pretty quickly. But this movie is I... not like Meet the Feebles or something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not Pink Flamingos. Like it's not doing yeah. anything that is like actually that shocking or disturbing. It's doing things that yeah, are like kind of mildly funny to a rich forty-year-old person. You know, like I don't understand. I don't. I don't get where you get the rich forty-year-old person thing. Don't you the think? Rich don't you think? Thing. Don't you think this is like? I don't know. It just seems like it's from the point of view of the people who made the movie. You know what I mean? Like it's all about because it's because it's about the foibles of rich people in a certain way. Like that is what a big part of the plot is. You know, it's about like these look at these rich weirdos. You know, but you only make those kind of movies when you yourself are a rich person and all you do is hang out with rich people. And so your point of view on the world is like. Oh, hey, uh, these rich people sure are funny, huh? You know. I mean, I just, I just, I just don't, ag- I, don't, I don't agree with the assessment of, or at least the, I don't agree that like Robert Downey and Robert Downey Jr. at this time were rich. I mean, you know, I think they were probably L.A.-based artists. His dad f- made sixteen mil- like weirdo sixteen millimeter movies about mothers and sons fucking or like you know black radicals taking over advertising agencies and i'm sure he got paid a little bit for greaser's palace and maybe one after that but i don't think the guy made you know a heaping ton of money i'm I, i'm sure well, i'm they not were saying like, that he's like the richest person in the world or something from this movie i'm just i guess what i'm saying is i, I don't think that i just don't think that the movie is shocking i i don't think that it the things you're comparing it to are genuinely pushing the envelope forward. And I think this movie is made from the point of view of someone who was doing that at a certain point in his life and isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. Before so the this, things that made... to him still count as shocking are like not at all, you know, and maybe that's um, 2021. I have, a, you know, obviously it's a very different place, but I don't know. Right. I mean, before this, it looks like he had made, uh, He'd had like three, three movies, three regular movies in the eighties that he made, as well as a few episodes of the Twilight Zone. So he's doing pretty well at this time, right? Um, but I mean, I would argue that I'm sure he was still maybe pulling himself out of the debt <laughs> that he was in, that he that he put himself in in the sixties and in the seventies. I mean, I will um, say so at this time, Robert Downey Jr. I mean, he's already made. Weird science. He's already been a cast member on Saturday Night Live. Less than zero, uh, and then soapish. You know, like I don't know. I think he's more than a working actor. He was like, I think, I think you're successful at this point, Robert Downey Jr. And this is because we're not even in the late '80s anymore, which is what you kind of think of as being his absolute peak as a celebrity. So right. he's like, he's already had that whole thing, and now we're into 1991. So he's like, yeah. he's very, very famous and successful at this point. That's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. He is. Um, one thing that we should say about um, Robert Downey Sr., which um, for people who don't know, I can't believe I'm wait- I waited this long to say it because it's probably where most people would who listen to this would know who he is from. He is the record um, executive in Boogie Nights, who they're threatening um, in the uh, in the montage where they're trying to get their uh, their tapes back. He's the guy that says it's a catch twenty two, or he says, he says it's a it's a it's a YP, not an MP. <laughs> and you know, um, I think John C. Riley or 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 Mark Wahlberg says YP MP. I don't know this industry jargon. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
That was great. That was on the DVD that I had. There was like an uh, like thirty or forty minutes of them just doing that scene and just improving so different things. It's so good. Oh my god. That's on my DVD. That's on my Blu-ray too. And I love. I I love those those. Like they clearly just shot and were fucking around forever. Oh my god! Doing that. Well, yeah. On the DVD, and, there's yeah. also all the like the scene, like Dirk Diggler shooting his movies. <laughs> like there's like another like 45 minutes of scene of the like just Dirk D- Mark Wahlberg as Dirk Diggler performing in a movie, and they're just like doing a bunch of takes, and Dirk is trying to get it right, and you're like, yeah, they just did this like forever. This is amazing. Did you see the stuff that's like? There's the stuff at the record uh, at the recording studio where they're yelling at Robert Downey senior and Michael Penn about getting the tapes back. But then there's also more footage of John C. Riley in the studio while Mark Wahlberg is recording. And he's like dancing behind him and trying to touch buttons. And Nick is like, don't uh, Michael Penn is like, don't touch that. And he goes, okay, fine. Sorry. You're the guy. And uh, then there's like a whole scene where they're like, uh, they're like trying to mix it. And it's a, it's like an extended version of Mark Wahlberg being like, you know, the bass is taking away my vocals. And uh, Mark Wahlberg says something along the lines to Michael Penn, like Nick, man, you've been doing too much fucking acid because your ears are just filled with shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Um, I mean, it's an, it's an amazing piece of art. Yeah. So, the, let's very briefly what happens at the end of the movie is i don't know somebody has a kid but what really happens is i mean honestly they both like have kids they, they both are, are like, kids they both have kids it turns out and there's like but also they get they catch the priest in a confession and there's like a a tape that's played for a party of people who you have no idea who they are and why it would matter <laughs> that they hear this tape and it matters so little that the tape it's almost like it because it's a great joke about the comedy movie ending trope where like you know evidence is played in front of a group of people that makes the that uh put, puts you know stigmatizes the person puts them out of commission basically but like within the tape itself the priest you hear the priest go this is a tape i have made of interesting confessions <laughs> <laughs> so your argument then, is this movie is like it's like wet hot american summer or something like that's the level it's operating on yeah, I would, I, I would, I, I would say that, but I, but I don't think it's as self-aware as what how to marry. Because you were saying like, like, don't think, it's a comment on ex- comedy tropes, which like I don't, I, that was not personally how I felt watching the scene. You know, like I mean, I think in that moment where he says these are interesting confessions that I have taped, and it's like a tape that appears out of nowhere. It's I don't think it's a comment, but I think it's a, in that moment it's aware of the joke, but it doesn't exist in quotes the way that what hot American summer does. Yeah. I mean, see, this is the thing, Ricky is I just think that like you're saying, it doesn't exist in quotes, which to tease that out a little bit, it just is what happens in the movie is that they just get a tape out of nowhere and then they just play it. And then that's like the movie's over, you know, and he's been disgraced. I don't think it's a comment on how movies do that. And it doesn't make sense. I think it's just, this movie is doing it and it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like, yeah. I mean, I'm okay with that though. I would again almost prefer that to existing in quotes. Okay. <laughs> okay, sure thing, brother. 
Do we want to? Should we do our, our little wrap? Yeah, let's do it, man. Quick? Ricky, what 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 did you think the most '90s part of the movie was? This show is 30 years later. Obviously, all these movies will have come out now in 1991. So, uh, what did you think the most '90s part of the movie was? Oh, 100% the AIDS free card. <laughs> the AIDS free card bit uh, is extremely '90s because in the '80s you couldn't really joke about AIDS that well. And then in the 90s, the naked gun, and it became like something that you could make jokes about. Safe sex, AIDS. Right. I actually think that was probably a pretty risky joke, even at the time that this movie movie was made. I'm like, here's my AIDS free card. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, who can say? Maybe, you know. I think it's just like the idea is like, it's this is such a part of our everyday lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're all worried about this. It's not like making... It's not exactly making fun of the idea of AIDS or something. It's making, it's like making fun of the idea that we all have to deal with it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The most nineties part of the movies for me, I mean, my honestly, my most sincere answer is there is a, there's a piece of furniture in the house of um, the Eric Idle. <laughs> like uh, it's this, like, I'm just looking it up. Cause I took a picture of it. It's a kind of curved wood, like a, it's almost like a chest of drawers, but it kind of looks like the side of a ship that's been like cut off and put on like weird furniture legs. I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you. We should post it on the Twitter. Um, it's like, it's, I think that was the most nineties part of the movie. It was like, I saw that and I was like, I was transported to being in like target in like 1995 and thinking like, wow, can you imagine being an adult and having stuff like this? It would be amazing. <laughs> um, but I might, de- I might delete that part. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking douche. Um, my most 90s part. I mean, to me, I think the most 90s part, and this is also kind of the answer to what what have we grown out of. So I that's kind of why I was stalling. But it's like, it, I just think it's it's the portrayal of homosexuality in this movie. Like, I think it's like way off. I, I think it's, it has this kind of like Cambridge Footlights approach to portraying homosexuality where it's like, we're it, obviously we are in favor of you know these people and we're against the people that are against them but in the process of presenting that story we're just going like ooh fancy tea love don't mind if i do who do do and like that's the portrayal of gay people in the entire movie you know and i just yeah, think like I, I, it's a very particular I, slice of history where you could have those two attitudes simultaneously and this is we're right in the meat of it man i agree with you but I still think there is something loving about the performance and the portrayal that, you know, his, in hindsight, they don't get away with it. But I think at the time it wouldn't feel as offensive because it's not like a character who's passing by the main character character and being like, hey, honey, I'll give you a, a blowjob of $5. You know, it's nothing like that. It's like a full-fledged character who's the main character of the movie. Right, And it's yeah. their story and the movie, and they win in the end. And also they don't sell this person's sexuality short. Right, it's right? true. They go, they, that is true, yeah. They go out of their way to be like, no, this person is gay and cannot help it. And that's who they are. And it's great. It's, it's, it's you know, it's what the, it's, it's exactly who they are. And they don't die. <laughs> They don't die. That's true, and they win in the end. Uh, but you're also not wrong. You're 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 absolutely not wrong. It is like a wildly flamboyant portrayal that if anyone tried to do now, 
it would not fly. I mean, it's funny. I was looking at it and I, there were a certain points, you know, he's wearing these absolutely insane outfits all the time. And he's got these, got this blonde hair and this little blonde mustache. And he's speaking in this like incredibly lispy way, mincing around all the time. And I was like, you know, I want to say this is like a really offensive gay stereotype character that Eric Idle is playing, but like, also, like, Joe Exotic exists, you know? And he kind of does look like Joe Exotic in this movie. He really does. He really does look like Joe Exotic. And also, I think that... Um, oh, I lost... I lost... I, I, I lost the... I lost the plot there. I'm sorry. That's cool, dog. Um, that, so, that I will cut. That I will cut. <laughs> so, Ricky... Um, you know, obviously it's been 30 years since this movie came out. Um, what do you think we've grown out of since this movie uh, came out? Well, I would say... Um, uh, I, I would say the... I, I would say a comedy like this getting getting made, right? I just don't think that anybody would allow a comedy filmmaker to make something this anarchic. Um I don't think yeah. it, I don't think it could happen. I don't think anybody's brain works like this when it comes to movies now. We've all been taught how to tell stories for movies whether we know it or not. Oh, you know, yeah, we've all been totally taught right. like what is the right way to construct a scene to make a joke land. And what I like about this movie is that it doesn't come from that place. Um for better or worse at times. It doesn't always work. I, and I, I I you know, if someone says it never works for me, I would totally understand that except if it's you. Um, <laughs> I think that I, I think that's what it is. I just don't think you could you would see a movie that comes from a a, a I think a a mental place that doesn't I don't want to say that doesn't know how to make movies because no, I, I know it's uncharitable. It's like not yeah. using the language of film yes. in the way that we are used to it being used now, especially when it comes to storytelling structure. Yeah. I mean, basically, that, during no scene of this movie did I understand why the people were there, what they were trying to accomplish, or like, you know, what they were going to do next. You know, like it's just all crazy town, top to bottom. But it was fun. But it's fun to watch them in those scenes, and it gives them, you know, extremely silly things to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm saying this. I I once in a screenwriting class in uh, college, they had this guy who was on mad tv come and like read our sketches and stuff that we wrote and um he he was the guy he's in best in show he's um parker posey's husband in best in show oh yeah that guy so he was on mad tv also at the time so he was there he's reading all our sketches he's talking to us and my friend johnny pemberton who's gone on to become a very famous comedian and actor he was saying to johnny like oh these are all great and like yeah we could definitely see these on mad tv like this is great and then he was talking about my sketches and he was like you know, really, there's only supposed to be one crazy person in the sketch. Like, really, everybody shouldn't be in crazy town all the time. And um, and so, like, that's I'm just passing that trauma on to my critique of too much sun. Like, everybody's in crazy town all the time, and I don't like it. Just like that guy from Mad TV told me, brother. That is true. Everybody is in crazy town the for the entirety of the movie. And I remember what I was going to bring up before uh, when you were talking about their outfits, uh, Eric Idle and his boyfriend's outfits. There is a scene where they. <laughs> it has not been alluded to at all that this is what they're into, but they come out of the house in full leather yes. bar outfits. Yes, yes. yes. For no reason whatsoever, they come out in leather bar outfits. And the, yes, this is the scene where Robert Downey Jr. is like, "Hey, uh, you want to fuck my virgin sister?" <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. And he's like, he's like, I've got a virgin sister. You want to fuck my virgin sister? And it ends up being Jennifer Rubin, the 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 sex worker that Ralph Macchio has been pining after. But Ralph Macchio is now tied to a chair, running down the highway. Exactly. Look, I I don't know. I the, like everything that I just said. If someone had told me said that to me, I'd be like, that movie sounds great. I want to see it. <laughs> right, like. Eric Idle comes out in full leather gear and is told by Robert Downey Jr. that that Robert Downey Jr. has a virgin sister that Eric Idle can impregnate, but that's actually a sex worker that Ralph Macchio is tied to a chair and chasing down the highway. <laughs> that sounds like a great movie to me. Yeah, sure thing, man. Sure thing. Um, so, what, so what? You know, it's been thirty years. What? What is this movie grown out of for you? I mean, I think it's the same answer I gave before. I don't suppose to have a different answer, but this the tree. The whole way homosexuality is treated in this movie is like completely wackadoo, and it it is this weird combination of old and new attitudes. It's extremely exactly this time in history where it's like, oh, we love these guys. You know, these crazy fairies. We love them. You know, it's like it's having it trying to have it both ways very intensely. I think. Uh, and I yeah, think that I mean, you de- don't do that anymore. It definitely feels like a relic of the underground films he made in the 60s and 70s, where it's like homosexuality was still transgressive. They they were accepting of it, but it was still like a transgressive act. And so therefore, I mean, honestly, Waters did this in, with, with, with gay characters in his movies around this time uh, as well. Yeah, like which ones are you talking about? I feel like in Serial Mom, there was like a character who was like, who, who, I can't remember them specifically, who like, um... So wait, the character Kathleen who Turner, you can't remember, Ricky? Kathleen Turner was accepting of, but he was also like an outcast and was an extremely flamboyant gay, gay man, right? Like, right. I... I you know, and Waters, of course, has ownership of those stereotypes and can play with them, whereas Robert Downey Sr. maybe doesn't. Neither does Eric Idle. But I think that for them, or for filmic, for creators at this time, it was still an act of transgression. And so, therefore, you were like, you were playing up what would be the most like offensive version of this thing that you were trying to support. Right, right, right. And I think there's something about the like, they just thought it was funny. You know what I mean? They just thought it was entertaining to, to have people act like that also. Yes, this is true. I mean, that was also a very big thing in the 90s was to act flamboyant. I think it was because of the the In Living Color and um, Dame, uh, Damon Wayans' and David Allen Greer's like, movie critics characters. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Hey, God, I... hey, it's basically us, but flamboyant. <laughs> Dude, I wish we had that much personality. That would be amazing if we had hey, that much personality. Hey, hated it hated two snaps it. around the world but like see i feel like that is more human i feel like those characters are more human and loving than eric idol being a gay guy in this movie um i'm gonna have to disagree with you there simply based off the fact that those are characters in a sketch <laughs> i <that> know <laughs> that's what i'm saying it must be a pretty bad movie huh <laughs> no we, we talked about it. this movie he's the main character he has a whole scene where he tries to have sex with a w- woman you know Anyway, what um what was your favorite part of the movie? Oh man, I mean, and it can't be the fucking table. It can't be this goddamn table. What are you talking about? The table. It's a fucking. It's not a table. It's like a wall. It's a vertical piece of furniture, Ricky. I'll send you the photo. Um, (laughs) Oh, please do. 
Uh, you know, my favorite parts in it just has some funny ideas. I think, like I mentioned, the scene of them rolling around on the ground, like that. I thought I thought that was funny, and I because I I liked it because it's following logically the ideas of the movie through a little bit, but in like a really silly, stupid way. I mean, that kind of was a like wet hot American summer kind of moment where they're just like rolling around like morons and that like 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 they've literally never had sex before <laughs> where you know like that was pretty funny um and then also you brought up or we've been talking about the like escort commercial it actually is a very artfully made like a very strange uh escort commercial that we see in its entirety in the movie uh and that was pretty cool and weird I, I really like that huh. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Ralph Macchio as my favorite part oh of the movie. God. Oh, my God. Ralph I Macchio giving how... the most community theater performance in a community theater movie. I thought he was I thought he was so fun. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm out. I, I can't. I can't find the hundred dollars. So maybe you could. Maybe you could spot me a hundred dollars. You know, I, I'm. In, I'm really. I'm in love with you here. Okay. You know, I know it's not normal guy, girl like you, guy like me. But I'm in love with you. Hey, look, I forget about all this something. escort stuff. Like we got. I'm in love with you. Like I'm gonna marry. Like I, I love you. I don't care. You escort. You're a librarian. You're a school teacher. Like I love you anyway. You know. Yes. Yes. So good. So good. Um. Uh, yeah, I think I, I really liked Ralph, Ralph Macchio. And there was a moment uh, at the end of the movie where uh, when the credits rolled, it said the players. And then it did like a one of those things where it showed, you know, uh, footage from the movie of the of the actors with music over it and you couldn't hear them. And the footage of RDJ is he bursts out laughing hysterically, strangely in the car, opens the car and then rolls around on the ground laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, this RDJ was like definitely not sober in the making of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this movie like directed pretty... by his dad. <laughs> like Well, the story of their story is really sad in terms of his our Robert Downey Jr.'s addiction. Um I you know, I, I don't wanna I don't necessarily want to say because I respect senior. I used to respect junior a lot more, but Fair enough. I don't. I don't want to say, but they they've told it publicly, you know, about how uh, when Robert Downey Jr. was six, his dad gave him his first joint, and they did coke together, like you know, not that long after, like in you know when he was a young teenager and stuff like that. And he felt really responsible for his drug addiction. Oh, wow, damn, Maybe. man, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right at the I end never, of the show, you piece of shit. You're like really yeah, bringing it we, down. That's, that's, uh, too much sun. Hey, too much sun. <laughs> Which, like, why? I don't know. Why is? I think they do literally say the title of the movie at some point, don't they? Say too much. Are they talking about like moving to Arizona or something? I would bet. I would bet on it. I would bet that they do. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so that's the movie, kids. I mean, I don't know what else is there to say. You know, like that's it. Too much sun, motherfuckers. Too much on it's available. Uh, you can rent it on Prime or iTunes. I think it's not like once around where. You can, you have to DM me to ask right, for a exactly. link of it. <laughs> Which, Which Ricky, that done. offer is still open if you want to DM Ricky for a copy of. Uh, That's true. I'm, ha- I'm happy to supply our uh, our our audience with links to uh, the movie from last week because it's a great movie and everyone should see it. Everyone, I agree. That, that movie was good. I agree. Everyone should see that movie. Yeah, but you didn't you didn't believe me. 
you didn't know, you didn't agree at first, and then you saw it, and you were like, "Oh yeah, this is great." Yeah, that's and true. So I wonder if you went back and watched this, which which should, just to be clear, I'm never it. going to do. But yeah, go ahead. Maybe you should re-rent this, and God. you should see how it plays. You know, after having had this conversation with me, with a, have, having had a conversation with a smarter person. Uh huh. Right. How, right. How yeah. Just someone, not necessarily smarter, but just someone that's like more insightful about art and like knows more about filmmaking and yeah. Yeah. Maybe not, maybe not, you know, good with grammar. Like I didn't get an A on my math test. Yeah. But like, I'm still, I got street smarts, kid. I got street smarts. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I may, you know, like Donald Trump said after COVID, it's not the kind of smarts you learn from the books. It's the kind you get in the streets. (laughs) 